because I am man, I make mistakes and I'm going to have to lead off this podcast with a uh, an apology. I foolishly stated that uh, one of my podcast guests in this series was the longest tenured head coach in a national championship, as in they've attended the most. And then I was corrected halfway through a podcast. He said, no, 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 Ian Hook, he's the longest. And uh, I'm talking to Ian today. Ian, head coach of the under-18 New South Wales country team, please accept my apologies. You've you've gone around about 20 times on these tournaments. So I wanted to wanted to put it on the record that you're the longest tenured that we speak to at this uh, at this uh, set of AYCs. Welcome along. Thanks for, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Now, 20... Uh, Terry's probably the oldest. <laughs> well, we're trying to not be an ageism podcast here, but um, 20, <laughs> 20 appearances at these types of tournaments. You must have seen a thing or two. How? Um, I'll start off with a, a curly question for you. How have they changed over the years? Changed by the rules have changed. Um there, there's not a lot of change in baseball. It's just um, the rules rules change. Um, the uh, conditions change. Um, where we're up in Brisbane six months ago, it was cold. Now we're well, still cold here now. But in January, we we could hit uh, some uh, hot weather. Hopefully. Well, I'm going to get into but, the. Um, I'm going to get into the. The, the kids haven't changed. They still throw the ball, catch the ball, hit the ball. Well, that's, um, that's the beauty of baseball. Just mainly the rules. Yeah, I'm going to get into the weather conditions um, a bit later on because that was an interesting um, conversation I had with a coach. But where's your favourite place? Where's your favourite place to have played a tournament? Good question. Um, yeah. Perth was uh, was good. Um, it was hot over there, but it, it was uh, it was good over there. Um, and I don't mind uh, Geelong. Geelong's um, I've been to Geelong about six times, so it's it's quite good down there. That's enough to make you a local, mate. Um, the <laughs> yeah. the interesting thing about your uh, coaching experience in the last twelve months is you uh, in June or July when uh, we held. Uh, sort of a make-up Australian Youth Championship for the under-16 age group. Uh, you were the head coach of that team and you've moved on to the uh, under-18 team. I'd like to spend a little bit of time with you just sort of kind of picking your brain on what are some of the key differences between coaching squads where there's not a massive age difference but there's almost worlds apart in terms of baseball, uh, knowledge, know-how and ability. How, how, how are the two age groups fundamentally different in your experience? <laughs> As you said, there's not a lot of difference. Um, that comes down to the rules change, where 16s, everyone's, um, there's anticipation for more game time for everyone, where 18s, it's more um, pitchers, position players. So um, you've got that uh, where the pitchers pitch, the field is field. Um, you haven't got that swap over where the six teams, everyone's got to do everything. The, so you're basically saying it's a bit easier coaching the 18s then? Yeah, it is a little <laughs> bit easier. Well, you know, like we talk about the many hats a coach has to wear. You know, you're a coach, you're a manager, you're a parent away from a parent, you're a psychologist. But, you know, when you're having to 
when you've almost got this sort of designated roster where in the 18s there are there are there's your pitching staff and that's your offensive squad um you know there's i suppose there's less there is less flexibility in a sense because with a 16 roster almost every kid can pitch and almost every kid can hit so um whilst the decision making may not be um as hard you've you have less less depth to work with um in a in a condensed tournament like the one we're heading into where it's double headers almost every day and you're playing over four five or six days how does that depth come into play well being country our kids can play anywhere and everywhere um it's just country baseball um where the the metro teams the the capital city teams they sort of break it down to pitchers and position players so um we're lucky in that way that uh, a lot of our pitchers can play other positions and a lot of our position guys can help out and throw. So I wanted to get into the composition of the team because um, – and then from here we'll get into sort of your preparation and getting ready for the tournament. But the interesting thing about New South Wales country and um, ACT is from time to time and year to year you have to take on players from um, other states, friendlies as they're affectionately known. Um, what's the makeup of your yeah. squad this year? How many kids are country kids and how many kids have you brought in from, from other regions to, to get a Guernsey at a national tournament? We've got um, six players from Illawarra. We've got five from Newcastle, three from Lismore, two from Central Coast, Gosford area, and we've got uh, four Sydney players. The four Sydney players are all pitchers. Um that can play other positions, but um, we will mainly cha- uh, after pitching strength to uh, boost our our pitching. Okay, so only four additional players. That's um, a relatively no- low number. That's uh, that's pretty handy. Um, have you gone about? So I, I want to get into the mechanics of that. You sort of identified uh, through your selection process that one of the areas that you would need a top up is pitching. So you sort of selected the yeah. squad with depth in, depth in position but knew that you needed to top up on the pitching side? Is that how that worked out? Yes, yeah. yeah. And do you ever – the other piece that we've spent a lot of time with coaches, head coaches talking about is that the mechanics of selecting a team. So I wanted to spend a bit of time with you because I think a lot of players and parents, you know, you'll often hear, oh, the team's already selected. And, and I do believe, you know, there's always a handful of kids who would just stand out that have sort of, you know, they're naturally going to make the team – but how much time and effort um, goes into rounding out the squad and, and sort of thinking about, you know, you, you can't carry five catches, particularly at the under-18 level, and you may have a kid who's pretty solid that you have to take, you know, it doesn't make the squad because you need an, an extra arm. How much, I'd love you to sort of talk about the time and effort and the debate that goes along with the coaching staff on filling out the roster and how you get to the 20 players that you need to take away. Um, yes, it's uh, it's an interesting. Uh, we probably a little bit different to um, a lot of the other teams where we have the uh, country championships first, where all the kids come and play in the the country championships, which were held at Tamworth. Um, so we got to see the kids play first. Uh, from that, we picked a, a squad of. I think we picked 25, 24 players. Uh, we then had a, um, 
a trial where we uh, we played uh, in the squad games. Um, the first one got washed out, and the the second one we were able to, to hold. And the kids played each other, so we picked mainly on what we saw from playing. We didn't um, do the the testing, the the running, the the throwing, the the, the bat speed test. We just uh, this year we went purely on uh, what we saw the kids uh, in playing. Um, and so you, at the country championships, you got to see a lot of the position guys um, pitch and a lot of the pitchers play position. Um, so that sort of helps us um, in in the uh, in the strength of our team. Um, We've got um, we're, we're carrying three catchers, but our three catchers are quite versatile. They uh, they can play other positions. So um, we've got uh, Lachlan Jones from Newcastle. We've got Liam Weeks from Lismore, and we've got James Burgess from Illawarra. And um, they're all quite capable in uh, holding their position in a. a, a in a position on the on the infield, so we're lucky that way with our three catchers that they're just not behind the plate. They they, they can play elsewhere. When you, um, so sorry. Well, I was just I was interested in sort of that selection process where you're effectively, um, you know, you're scouting games to identify talent. Um, yeah. How? Yeah. This, yep. So this is a kind of a unique process. Not many states do it this way. So I've, this is, of course, piqued my interest because, um, yeah, I, I suppose it's an opportunity to have a unique conversation. But you know, in, in doing it this way, how many? You know, were there many kids who just came onto your radar that you'd never heard of before? Was a complete surprise? Like it's got to be. You know, there's got to be kids who just had a, a cracking tournament. They're like, "Well, hang on, now they're in contention for this team." How did how how did that process play out? We've got eight new players that have never gone to a, mm-hmm. a, a national championship because yep. um, of COVID. Um, country championships we haven't had for for two um, two years that they've been COVIDed out. Um, nationals have been out and the the states have been doing these showcase tournaments. And so the country kids have had a chance to get into there, but there wasn't a lot of country kids in those showcases. Mm. So um, uh, there was a lot of new kids that we hadn't seen and uh, that we had to uh, – to uh, bring along and, and just see how they fitted in when we uh, had the in-the-squad games. So there was a few surprises. Um, there's uh, a, a player from Lismore who's um, uh, Lachlan Coe, who's actually in the New South Wales softball side. Um, they all missed the, the first couple of uh, showcase days at, the, at our tournament, but he'll be there for the first game um, because he'll be over in Perth at the uh, softball nationals. So he'll go straight from the softball nationals to the the baseball nationals. So he he was a real surprise pick-up. Did you... um, Um, you, So do you sit as a coaching staff at these 
tournaments and watch the games collectively or do you sort of spread out to try and you know get eyeballs as many games as possible? Um, we sort of spread out. Um, there's certain players that we, we sort of talk to the head coaches of each team, um, you know, who, who you're pitching where, who, who uh, you think's the chance, and uh, we sort of pencil them in and then we go uh, find them and and look for them and uh, and scout them, those kids. Yeah, it's a very it's a different uh, way of doing it. And I, I can imagine you... You know, you're over at a game and you see someone who really impresses and you're sort of looking to find the coaching staff saying, you've got to lay eyes on this kid. He's, he's pretty good. That would, It's a diff, It's a yeah, really interesting way of kind of – it's performance-based selection really in its uh, purest form. So, uh, yeah, it really sort of piqued my interest in seeing how you put together a squad that way. Um, yeah. So just sort of getting into the preparation side of things, obviously your kids are – dispersed across the state um so how how when did you announce the team and then i'd be really interested to get into how you have sort of worked with the squad to uh, get ready for the tournament we named the squad when we had to name when everyone else had to name their squads um we uh we rely heavily heavily on uh regional coaching um, I know our 16s are a little bit different, but the 18s, we relied heavily on the kids' tra- training um, in their regions. Uh, we've only, we haven't had a tr- full training session where we've had all our 20 players. Hopefully, um, that'll come in a couple of weeks. Um, so it's been hard. Uh, we've only had, um, Four training sessions um, that we've we've we've, we've put up to, and tried to get everyone there, but obviously with work commitments and and other commitments, uh, not everyone been, been able to get there. Um, so it, it has been hard in that way that we're the, the, the area from Lismore to Lawara and then trying to find somewhere where. Um, you can get central, which unfortunately for the Illawarra, uh, the Lismore kids, we've, we've done out most of our training in Sydney because all the kids, the Illawarra kids, the Central Coast kids and the Newcastle kids, they travel and play in the Sydney competition. Mm. So one of the agreements was I wasn't going to take kids out of their under-18 competition games. Um, I wasn't too worried about grade games, but I, I let the kids play in their under-18 uh, state league games and then we would train in, um, on the Sunday and uh, we would have a, a little session on the, the Saturday where the, the players would come and we'd do a little bit of hitting and a little bit of fielding and then we'd do the, um, the main um, team plays, the bunt defences and first and thirds on the, on the Sunday. So we, we haven't had a lot of time uh, with the kids as, as a team. Um, we've got trial games tomorrow um, in Sydney against New South Wales. Um, and then a week later, on, on the 28th, we play the uh, New South Wales again and the Andre de Jardin Cup, which is played between Sydney and, and, the, and the country. Um, so that, that, that 
gives us four games and we're trying to organise uh, another trial game on the, the 6th of January against um, ACT in uh, hopefully Wollongong. We're, we're just trying to find uh, a space in between that we can both agree on. The, um, so I've been a little bit hard uh, this year. Yeah, the logistics of bringing players together from uh, uh, from parts unknown, uh, I can imagine, presents yeah. numerous challenges. Um we spent a lot of time from from a preparation point of view talking to coaches about team culture and um, some of those other elements. But before we get to that with your squad, um, the piece that I'm always um, asking coaches about with the, the bringing on, on friendlies is integrating those kids, you know, the four lads from New South Wales. Do you find that they come to you with – do they come to you with, oh, I didn't make my team, I'm disappointed, and they're sort of – they're dragging their bottom lip, or do they come with a chip on their shoulder, or is it it's a different approach? How do you how do you find those friendlies? Um, you know, how do they just want to show that they should have been selected. And as as a second part to that question, I, I guess over twenty years, you've probably seen kids who've come to you as a friendly who've just played out of their skin, and you think, geez, how did they miss their their own state team? You know, has, has that happened to you before? Yeah, it, it does happen. It's- it's interesting. The kids uh, are disappointed they didn't make their, um, their, their their number one preference side, like in our case, the, the Sydney Metro. But the kids are, are very appreciate that we've given them that second chance and they're really keen and, and um, they, they really stand up and especially when we play New South Wales, they, they really try and yeah. uh, play well against them. Like, in Brisbane, we had uh, six kids, and four of them were made the. Um, they were all first year under sixteens, and four of them have gone on to make the uh, New South Wales sixteen side. So that, that's a big thing for them that they've been, they've, sh- they've been able to show um, the New South Wales coaches that they can play. Yeah, I think it's a um, – particularly for those younger players, it's an opportunity for them to kind of feel it out, get some experience, and then you know, they go back to their own state as a, in a you know, seasoned competitor in some in some respect. Um, so I kind of then wanted to get into – so you bring in these kids in who, you know, maybe disappoint a bit of a chip on their shoulder, but how do you – you know, culture's a strange, strange thing. And, and the other piece I've been talking to coaches about is leadership. How does um, – how do you form a team identity or team culture with a setup like you have where these kids, some of the kids, I'm sure there's been years where you've met the player f- for the first time on day, the night before the tournament or the day of the tournament. How does how do you develop culture on a team like yours? And then I suppose there's a sub part to that question, where does leadership, how does leadership come about and how do you quickly identify the kids that are going to lead your team? Um, by watching them play, you get to, to see who the, the leaders are in, on, on, the, on the games. Um, I make sure that when we're doing the room uh, allocation that uh, each, each room has players from different associations. So uh, they're meeting someone new. Um, I've, been, I've tried to get through to the kids that it's their team to take ownership of it. It's not my team and it's not uh, anyone else's team. It's their team. And um, we picked uh, four leaders out in, in um, 
Jackson Frame, um, Cal Donnelly, uh, Liam Weeks, and um, Lachlan uh, Rosser. They're the, the four that were sort of chosen as the, uh, the leaders. And the kids all look up to them. Um, so if, if, the, if the kids take ownership of the team, it does help. And, um, and they, uh, they stand up a little bit more for that. Are they, you know, are they selected as leaders because they're the best players? Or what, what attributes do they have that sort of stood out to you as a coaching staff? Um, they seem to get on with all the kids, um, the team members. They, they, they mingle well. Um, we, we've got, that's a bit funny, but three of them are left-handed pitchers <laughs> and one's a catcher. So it's, that's, uh, it's a little bit funny that, um, and they're all from different associations. And play for different clubs in the in the Sydney competition and local competitions, so they they they've mingled well. We've watched them through the the couple of trainings that we've had, um, and they haven't just spoken to one person; they've spoken to to everyone. So um, that's the way we sort of looked at who we we're going to choose. Um, I'm- Interested to sort of talk to you now about the tournament and, and um, you know, like as a head coach with a lens, like you're not going to make big grand statements, but if, if you guys are going to be competitive in this tournament, wh- where do your strengths lie? What what element of the game is it going to th- uh, propel you into contention if, if you do it well? We feel we've got five strong uh, starters in uh, Eli North, Lachlan Rosser, Cal Donnelly, Jackson Frame, and Ed Noy. Um, we feel that if, if they can do their job starting off, then it's up to our relievers to uh, to keep us in the in the game at the end. Um, we we've got a we haven't got an overpowering batting lineup, but we've got a good contact team that's going to make contact and put the ball in play and um, hopefully we, we get the gaps and uh, get extra base, a couple of extra base hits. But it's a, it's a, it's a good side. Um, that, that we, we, we feel it's a good side. Um, they work well together. Um, yeah, they mingle well. I'm going to ask. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to challenge your memory here a little bit. Um, in recent times, or I say recent times, it's probably been a ten year. Um, it's probably been ten years where velocity has been a real key focus in pitching. Like throw the ball as hard as you can. We'll figure everything else out, and that has obviously yeah. permeated to younger players. They all see, you know, in the big leagues, the the average velocity is going up year on year. So. What I, I guess I want to challenge you on or get you to think about is as kids are trying to throw the ball harder and we've heard we've heard coaches say, like, it's all well and good, Ben, to throw the ball hard, but if you go to a tournament and you can't be around the strike zone, you're very hard to use because we've got pitch counts and limits and restrictions, these types of things. But in your experience, Ian, have you seen, with the focus on velocity, have you seen pitching 
fall away because it used to be at these tournaments if you had one or two guys who you could just hand the ball to and they could throw strikes and 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 do well you you had a real chance but with kids trying to throw the ball harder and, and with showcase events where they're being measured on that that have you seen the ability for a pitching staff to dominate maybe drop off because they don't have as much control what's what's happened from a pitching side of things and a velocity side of things or have i just asked the most long-winded question and the answer is no there's been no change <laughs> well the kids are trying to throw harder but uh in tournaments like this you need strikes mm. if you can't throw strikes and as you said other coaches t- talked about pitch counts and and so forth it uh, makes it hard uh, especially with double headers to, to bring players back so quickly um it could, you know, with the rest periods and that, you just can't afford to throw walks. You just can't give away those those free bases because if you walk the leadoff hitter, he's going to bite you in the on the backside and score. So you've got to limit the walks. You got to throw strikes. Um, yes, it's good to be able to throw the ball hard, but I believe throwing strikes is is the important part about pitching. Um, if you can't throw strikes, you can't get out. So, I um, you know, you mentioned your offensive lineup being um, contact based. Well, I was kind of stunned from the under sixteen tournament, and obviously they're swinging metal bats. But the number of players hitting legitimate home runs out of um, um, out of the park. With the eighteens, everybody, you know, we switched to wooden bats. Do you still see young players? <laughs> kind of driving the ball out of the park or is that sort of drop off at the 18s with the wooden bat negating some of that power? That drops off with the wooden bats yeah. and also we're playing um, at Sydney. Sydney's probably the biggest ballpark um, around Australia. Yeah. So there's not a lot of home runs. Um, there's probably more home runs run out in the in the. Um, then hit out of the fence. Yeah, right. I've got two more questions for you, and I'll let you go. I know you've got a scrimmage game today. Um, <clears throat> you mentioned early in the podcast just, um, you know, the conditions at Blacktown can be quite challenging, and I, um, it was another coach who mentioned to me, like it was a couple of years ago, where it was sort of in, in the 40s, 40 to 45 degrees in Blacktown, and the humidity is not particularly friendly, friendly there as well. How do you... Um, how do you get your team through those types of conditions? You know, and, and that's the other thing I just want to reinforce that you guys are playing, I think, over five or six games, you're playing double headers almost every day. So how do you manage a team through that? Because it's hard to replicate that in training conditions. It is because if you took your team out and trained in 40 degrees heat, people would be looking at it and you think you're mad. Um, you got to make sure that they're drinking water, um, not only during the game, but before the game, after the game, they've got to be hydrated. Um, you try and get them um, in the swimming pools to uh, cool off and uh, refresh the bodies. Um, and this is where you need the players to be able to rotate. So if someone is feeling the heat, you, you get them out quick and get someone else out there. So you've got to watch your players and... Uh, no, um, you know, little Billy's looking a little bit weak out there today. He's not normally like that. Let's get him off and 
and see what happens and make sure he, he drinks plenty and get someone else out there. So you have to watch your players. Um, you got to know what your players are capable of in, in, in standing up to the heat. Our kids probably used to the, the Sydney heat where um, Perth heat's a, it's a, it's a drier heat. Um, Melbourne, um, South Australia, their, their heat's different as well. Mm. So you, you, you've just got to make sure that they're drinking and they're drinking uh, the bright stuff, leaving the fizzy drink alone and getting on the water. Nutrition 101. All right, I'm going to ask you now, full disclosure, I did give you a bit of a heads up on this one. I've sprung it on a few other coaches, but I did uh, give you the heads up. <clears throat> In your experience, who's the best player to ever come out of New South Wales country? The best player? Best player probably over the last um, six, eight years is probably Alexander and Lachlan Wells, the, the twins that both signed uh, professionally, um, Alexander's gone on and played in the majors. Mm. Um, if you go back further, uh, then you got time, the, the Chris go all time. Sorry, what was that? I interrupted. You got Chris Snelling. You got um, Roland Smith. Um, there's been some uh, country players that have gone on and, and made the the big time. So. Uh, that's a hard question to ask um, over the, the 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 time span that country's been in. I, so, you know, if you go later, the Wellses um, go back in time to the spellings. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, every coach has got different thoughts too. No, the name Snelling has come up come up twice now, so that's uh, that's uh, it's pretty good. It, it just it speaks to the depth of talent that actually is out there. So um, yeah, so thanks, Ian. I really appreciate your time, and uh, we wish your squad the best of luck. We hope you can get them together, and that the preparation holds you in good stead. And we look forward to seeing you guys out on the track, uh, giving it a good nudge in the championships. So thanks very much for your time. Thank you very much. Oh.